Wormwood. Uncle. What are you doing here? I, I was um, uh, on my way to see you. You are lying, of course. Of course. I had another appointment. I see. What are you up to? Nothing, Uncle. But uh, since we've met up, I would like to speak with you uh, about my patient. Hmm. All right. Come into my office. And that is my approach to use this time of uh, sexual temptation to push his increased irritability. Mm, yes, mm. yes, I see. Yes. Well, that is a, a good subordinate attack. It may even become your main attack as long as he thinks it is the subordinate one. Well, exactly. But here, as in everything else, the way must be prepared for your moral assault by darkening his intellect. Um, in what way? Men are not angered by mere misfortune, but by misfortune conceived as injury. And that sense of injury depends on the feeling that a legitimate claim has been denied. The more claims on his life, therefore, that your patient can be induced to make, the more often he will feel injured, and as a result, ill-tempered. Right, right. Uh, for example? Oh, no doubt you will notice that nothing throws him into a passion so easily as to find a tract of time which he reckoned on having at his own disposal unexpectedly taken away from him. Yes, he has to receive an unexpected visitor when he looked forward to a quiet evening, or, or the friend's talkative wife turns up when he looked forward to time alone with the friend. Those sorts of things uh, throw him out of gear. Presumably, he is not yet so uncharitable or slothful that these small demands on his courtesy are in themselves too much for it. Uh, no, but they still anger him, because he thinks of his time as his own, and he feels that it's being stolen. So you must therefore zealously guard in his mind the curious assumption, my time is my own. Let him have the feeling that he starts each day as the lawful possessor of 24 hours. Let him feel as a grievous burden that portion of his time which he has to give over to his employers, and as a generous donation that further time which he allows to his religious duties. But what he must never be permitted to doubt is that the total from which these deductions have been made was, in some mysterious sense, his own personal birthright. That's a bit tricky. Indeed, it's a delicate task. The assumption which you want him to go on making is so absurd, if it is ever questioned, even we cannot find a shred of argument in its defense. The man can neither make nor retain one moment of time. It all comes as a pure gift. He might as well regard the, the sun and moon as his servants. I dare say these humans think they can. He is also, in theory, committed to a total service of the enemy. And if the enemy appeared to him in bodily form and demanded that total service for even one day, he would not refuse. Though he would be greatly relieved if that one day involved nothing harder than listening to the conversation of, uh, say, a foolish woman, and he would be relieved almost to the pitch of disappointment if, for one half hour in that day, the enemy said, Now, you may go and amuse yourself. Now, if he thinks about his assumption for a moment, even he is bound to realize that he is actually in this situation every day. Well, perhaps I should draw attention to that. What? No, no, no. That's the last thing I mean you to do. Your task is purely negative. 
Don't let his thoughts come anywhere near it. Wrap a darkness about it, and in the center of that darkness, let his sense of ownership in time lie silent, uninspected, and operative. Then I should encourage him in his sense of ownership. Ah, now you're getting the idea. Right. You see, the humans are always putting up claims to ownership which sound equally funny in heaven and in hell. And we must keep them doing so. For example, much of the modern resistance to chastity comes from men's belief that they own their bodies. <laughs> Fools. It is as if a royal child whom his father has placed for love's sake in titular command of some great province under the real rule of wise counselors should come to fancy he really owns the cities, the forests, and the corn in the same way that he owns the bricks on the nursery floor. <laughs> So it's a particular form of pride. Not only pride, but also confusion, which we must nurture. We teach them not to notice the different senses of the possessive pronoun, the finely graded differences that run all the way from my boots through my dog, my servant, my wife, my father, my master, and my country to my god. They can be taught to reduce all these senses to that of my boots, the my of ownership. Even in the nursery, a child can be taught to mean by my teddy bear, not the old imagined recipient of affection to whom it stands in a special relation, for that is what the enemy will teach him to mean if we're not careful, but the my bear I can pull to pieces if I like. And at the other end of the scale, we have taught men to say, my God, in a sense not really very different from my boots, meaning the God on whom I have a claim for my distinguished services and whom I exploit from the pulpit. But don't they see what a joke they are? Humans can't use the word mine in its fully possessive sense about anything. It is true, but they must never know that. In the long run, either our father or the enemy will say mine of each thing that exists, and especially of each man. They will find out in the end, never fear, to whom their time, their souls, their bodies really belong. Certainly not to them, whatever happens. At present, the enemy says mine of everything on the pedantic, legalistic ground that he made it. Our father hopes in the end to say, mine, of all things on the more realistic and dynamic ground of conquest. What is this? Undersecretary Screwtape? Yes, flinch cut. You know perfectly well who I am. You are to come with us. Why? Squat weasel. The head of the secret police would like a word with you. About what? Charges of heresy have been levelled against you. Heresy? Who would dare to... Wormwood. Uncle? You didn't. You wouldn't. Wouldn't do what, Uncle? You would. You did. <laughs> Come quietly, or we'll have to use the prod. Yeah, I'm coming. 
Uh, perhaps we'll use the prod anyway. <laughs> oh, I, I do hope it all works out, Uncle. You haven't seen ah! the last ah! me wormwood. Ah! Toad pipe? Yes? Bring me a cup of boiling lava, will you? Yes, sir. And a jammy dodger? Yes, sir. 